0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets.
1: And welcome, welcome. We're here live with Dr. Jeff Weber, your host. For the next thirty minutes here on Pet Life Radios. Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff and, of course, our simulcast with Instagram Live. We're here for you. We're here for your pets. I'm waving as we're talking. So this show is only there because of you. So ask us questions. I want to get a hold of you. You can get a hold of me easily. It's free. Free advice. Don't complain about free. And there's no no strings attached on this free. So um, how to get a hold of me, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Or, of course, you can join us here live with your pets on Pet Life Radio. You go on to PetLifeRadio.com, click on shows, uh, go to Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff, and the Zoom link, there's a, a Zoom link left for you. Just click on that link, and you will be here live with me. Here on Instagram, just as easily, you just have to be here, which you are already. So any questions, load them up and ask away. Really anything. It doesn't have to be a problem you're having. Give us an update, something that happened with your pet in the last couple of weeks that you want to share. Hopefully, good news. But this is, you know, all the stuff that we really need to see to um, kind of help you just in general, just um, take a better pair of pets. And that's, that's really why I'm here. So interestingly, we've I've had a couple of cases uh, lately. In fact, here's one. I don't know if it's happened with you, but for recently, I'd say in the last, but both either direct calls to me or on AirVet, I've had at least four calls this week or within the last 10 days on chicken bones. Whose dogs are eating chicken bones? And they want to know what do they do? What should they do? And then last night I had one we we're going to talk about. I wanted to get more information for you, and I'm going to, but we need to talk about this one too. It was a chocolate-covered raisin. Let me repeat, a chocolate-covered raisin. And uh, we're going to go talk about raisin and grape toxicity because it's something that is of concern, but it's still a puzzle. It's, it's a puzzle to many. So um, let's talk about the chicken bones. If, if your dog, we, we always say no poultry bones, no poultry bones for a reason. Is because they're very soft and they splinter easily and what happens is they can actually on their way down they're the the biggest damage they can do is to the esophagus but once it's in the stomach you do not want to make them vomit because if they got down without causing any damage or cutting or slicing into the esophagus you don't have the same guarantee it's not going to happen on the way back up so once in the stomach, you're usually out of the woods. They're usually not big enough to cause an obstruction. What I recommend sometimes is giving them something that is very bulky, like a big piece of bread, to maybe soften up and, and cover up the edges. So if it does get through the pylorus, which it will, then and, and start moving course, coursing through the small intestine into the large intestine. Once it's in the large bowel, usually things don't obstruct anyway. But the key here is the because they're soft, they also are more digestible from the very strong acidic de- digestive juices in the stomach. So if it gets into the stomach, you don't have to worry. So to my friend, Sammy, who called last night. And uh, anyway, uh, that's, there's the answer. Now raises hold on, there's a question coming in, found out that an outside mouse got into our house. I think that it went near the dog's food. My dog have reaction to eating from her food and it wouldn't go away should she be on antibiotics. So it's unlikely if there's the mouse had a had some weird disease Then that would just because the mouse ate from the food, it shouldn't be a problem. If you want to be a little more cautious and nervous, toss that bowl away. Now, if it got into the big bag of food, well, that's happened to me as well. I honestly, I don't worry. Now, if you see a lot of rat or mouse feces in the food, then you want to throw the food away. But one of my dogs, we have, I store some big bags of food in the garage. One of my dogs got into the garage and made a little hole, helped himself to the food. Well, to a lot of the food. He was a Labrador. Um, It's very easy to tell. When you see a male Labrador who's 12 years old and looks pregnant, uh, you know he ate a lot of the food. So anyway, through the hole, I saw um, little drops. or. I I assume it's a mouse. It doesn't bother me. But uh, if you really want to be neurotic and you want to be extra, extra careful for whatever parasite the mouse might be carrying, and heaven forbid, the dog should eat some of the feces, then it might be not a bad idea to just toss the food and buy a new bag of you know It's not terrible. Anyway, the other thing, raisins and grapes. Talk about that for a second. Yes, get a raised food water bowl. That's that's a good idea. But again, if, if it just got into the bowl, then you're, you're not looking at a lot of food. Just toss that bowl in, and refill it. But yes, that would be a really good idea to raise the bowl so the mouse hopefully can't reach it. So unless it's smart enough to climb up the same, whatever stand you're using, and then get into the bowl, you never know. So I got a call last night. Dog ate. It's about a 20-pound dog ate a single chocolate-covered raisin. Now, I'm not really not worried about the chocolate on one, uh, how much chocolate. I mean, chocolate is, yes, there are toxicities. You have to eat a lot of it. It's got, you know, most chocolate-covered raisins are milk chocolate. Milk chocolate is much less toxic than uh, semi-sweet, which is much less toxic than the baker's chocolate. Cocoa is like the worst, pure, unadulterated, 97 99% cacao. Those are the ones we have to worry about you know, dogs have to eat a significant amount. I mean, it's it's not just, you know, Hershey's Kiss or a little, you know, one of those mini Nestle's Crunch Bars or whatever, those you save for me and you send to me. But anyway, so the raisin and grape, this has been a, a, an issue for a while. And I just put a call into my good friend, Justine Lee, who also has a show here on Pet Life Radio. She's double boarded in veterinary toxicology and emergency medicine and critical care. I'm going to get the real truth about how worried we have to be because I never worry. This is something relatively new. I mean, I used to play with my dogs, catch, you know, catch and throw up a grape in the air and they would catch it, great, right, you know, huh? and they would sit there, I don't know, maybe five, 10 grapes. So they're also 85-pound Labradors. So maybe that's why we never had a problem. How is it dose-dependent? How dose-dependent? Well, someone once told me that for the dogs that have the sensitivity, it's not dose-dependent. It could be, So that's why I put a call to Justine. So I will definitely report back to you. Um, in the meantime, keep your dogs away from raisins and grapes. And that includes, you know, like a lot of times they have uh, trail mixes that have nuts and all sorts of things in them and granola and raisins. So you want to be careful. It's something to do with the raisin or grape skins, something in them that some dogs have its sensitivity to. And the true, truth is we don't know and there's no test to find out which, which dogs have this sensitivity. If you could do that and you found out your dog is fine, go, go ahead. Let them have grapes. Let them have raisins. But we don't know. And um, the problem is that it can cause severe kidney problems, even kidney failure. So we definitely want to avoid it for now. And I will try to get more answers for you because it'll be a lot easier from my perspective, especially, you know, going on AirVet, where I handle kind of these emergency cases to say, well, wait a second, how much weight? In chocolate, we have it. We have a chocolate meter. You can go online. You find out it, the, all the different types of chocolate, from white chocolate, which is no chocolate at all, um, all the way to, to, you know, 100% pure cocoa which is the most toxic. And it tells you per body weight, how much the dog would have to eat to have a reaction or to have concern. Would that be great to have something like that for raisins and grapes? You know, for a dog this weight, anything less than five, no problem. Uh, for a dog this weight, if you need thirty, no problem. But we don't know. So uh, anyway, stay tuned because that's something that I'm getting so many calls about that I want to make sure I'm giving people the right answer. And I want some questions. I can't believe all of you have had any... um, Let's see. Ah, I'm uh, fostering a puppy, I would imagine, that eats its poop any thoughts. Well, it is not an uncommon problem. We call it coprophagia because it sounds like (laughs) better than eating a poop eater. So we don't know why they do it. There are a lot of theories, and I've asked a number of dogs, why do you do it? And no one's answered me. So I'm at a loss too, but I have my theory. And the theory is that, and again, this is my theory. I have found, and this is just empirical data, That in the case of male dogs, they are more inclined to eat other dogs' poop, even on walks. And in the case of female dogs, they're more inclined to eat their own. Okay, now, this is not in textbooks. This is not written anywhere. I just, just talking to clients doing this for almost 40 years, that's what I've realized and noted. Now, not 100% by any means, but just a, a majority. So my thought is this in the wild, okay, there's always competition and males, they want to keep their own territory to themselves. So what they do, they're more inclined to eat the other dog's poop, to remove the smells, the odors of other dogs, and basically lay claim to theirs. And it basically is a signature saying, this is my territory. Females, on the other hand, what is their job? Their job is protect their litters. And so what they do, and we know that female dogs lick and clean up after the puppies. So, my thought is that the female dogs that do it, they are because, in again, in nature, their job was to protect. And so therefore, they only eat their own and the puppies to remove this. They want to remove their own smell because they are worried about predators. So that's what it's all about, how do you stop it. Well, sometimes the urge is very great to do it. If a dog is, there are a number of ways to treat. One that seems to work well, you can get a hydrolyzed vegetable protein powder. Uh, It's available and you can get it anywhere. So what this powder does, uh, it's for coprophagy and it imparts a taste to the stool that most dogs will find it objectionable. And yet it doesn't change the taste of the food. But for that, you have to use it. If a dog is eating, if you have two or three dogs and they're in the backyard and your dog is eating the other dog's poop, then you got to put it in their food as well. So... um, um, anyway, it's called Forbid, F-O-R-B-I-D. Look for it online. You can get it. Now, other ways you can do it. In order for a dog to want to avoid something, you have to make it very unattractive. Smell is not always the answer, at least not at the beginning. So what you do is you can make a mixture of the hottest stuff you can put together from you know spicy hot salsa to wasabi to chili pepper, anything you can find that's really hot. And then you make a mixture of it and you can put it on the, the poop outside so don't clean up actually leave the poop there but when the dog's not around put this stuff on top of it in order for it to really work well and this is the, the worst part of the trick is that you need to put the stuff on to your dog's tongue full strength they have to know what it tastes like full strength because when it's sitting there for a, a, a while it may dissipate some lose some of its its, its taste it's wonderful flavor Haha. So you, you want to give it to the dog, full strength, fresh. So now he or she knows what it tastes like and hopefully does not like that taste. And they also now know the smell of it. So now if they go to a poop that has been pre-treated with this amazing mixture, then hopefully they'll avoid it. Is it a guarantee? Heck no. But it's uh, something that often works. You just got to try it. Okay. While you are getting the courage, and again, it doesn't have to be a question. Oh, she's a female. Is she eating her own poop if she's eating her own poop then that that kind of leads to my uh you know my my theory for whatever it's worth <laughs> you're not going to find it printed anywhere because I haven't printed anywhere it's just my kind of my my thing so before we go to break I had a couple of stories and um, one thing I read and this is being a big problem on the veterinary news threads that I get there is a lot of stuff about influenza now we're talking about the h5n1 which is a real avian influenza but even h3, n8 and h3n2 which are the two influences now affecting dogs they are becoming very very serious and birds have them too and so it is very the the caution here is keep your dogs and cats away from dead birds it's very important to to think because avian influenza is very serious and there have been animals dying from it oh boy here's a good one martin oh thank you for this question and again. Mind you, <laughs> I'm in nobody's back pocket here. This is just, the question is, good morning. Do you recommend insurance? My dog's insurance keeps going up in price because it's so expensive, I ended up canceling it. So I will give you my tagline. Your pet is going to need it the most when you don't have it. That's Murphy's Law. So I recommend something. Now, there are a lot of insurance companies that are good, some that aren't so good. Here, just I'll give you the cautions. Do your homework. I don't usually like the ones that are have the wellness packages i think that you're spending more but it is something that some people feel more comfortable you really want to get accident insurance or sickness insurance and it's it's a very good thing to have but make sure that you're covered because a lot of things are not going to be covered anything that is remotely remotely hereditary or congenital a lot of the companies say no we don't cover it so how things are worded is important things like dentistry you can have rotting teeth causing major disease. And if you go in for dentistry, which you have to do, they say, oh, we don't cover dentals. No, but in this case, it wasn't a dental. It was actually saving the This is a problem. So um, I've had dentals before. We didn't do that. This is not a dental, quote unquote dental. So you really want to understand their language and give them scenarios. Say this is, you know, how about a, an injury, a cruciate injury? Well, there may be 75% of dogs who blow one cruciate might blow another which means that there is a hereditary component. So a lot of the insurance companies will cover the first one, which I think is fair because it could be pure injury, but they won't cover the second. Because if it happens a second time, now they're going, ah, this one may have had some underlying congenital thing, so we're not going to cover the second. I get that. But you don't want to do nothing. So here's my only other uh, recommendation, and that is – Now, understand also, insurance companies, they take your money. It doesn't just sit there. It's being invested. And so when they get that big claim, that seven, eight, ten thousand dollar claim for for uh, cancer, for example, all right, they're totally happy to pay it. Because that's that wasn't even it was no, it's no longer your money. It wasn't their money, it was the money they made on your money. So, you know, when you invest, you you know, whatever your investment is, you can make a little. But when you have, you know, a couple of thousand people putting in their every their, their their um their money every month, 100 dollars a month, let's say it is. So so they're making some good buck. And therefore they're investing it, making even more. And that's what they're using to pay off these claims. So my only recommendation is that you can set up an account in Bowser's name and that same 80, 100, 100, whatever it is, you put that away in his account, his or her account, and make sure it's try to get an interest bearing account or something that you're working with and you can throw it into investment also. But it's automatic. You have no choice because the insurance companies don't give you a choice. So you have to make this deposit every single month like clockwork. And just let it grow. Don't waste it for routine care because you shouldn't be using routine care. Anymore. Don't do it for the dental. You want to save it for that rainy day. You want to save it for that big infection, that big uh, injury, right? That kidney disease, whatever it is. And if you have by this time, you do it for a couple of years. You got four or five thousand dollars put away, and then now you have your own little nest egg for those times. But the bottom line is, insurance companies are. I liken them to Las Vegas casino. Sure, all of us have hopefully done well at one point doing some gambling, taking a chance. But most of the time, if you look at the casinos, you look how glorious they are, how much money they're making. Clearly, most gamblers are not winning. So so that's what the insurance company is all about. It's the same logic. They are totally willing to pay when, when they get that. But most of the time, you're going to be putting more money in than you will be getting out. And that mean, means the money left over at the end of the day is whose? theirs so if you are not disciplined then keep insurance what you don't want to do is nothing you must have something set aside either via insurance or your own pockets uh, your own savings accounts that i highly recommend doing something i hope that answers your question martin know if you have any questions about that let me know and you can always get me I've, I've worked with some insurance companies ones that i really like and um i'd be happy to uh kind of help you out in that way too my life at company senior dog started to have white hair we started to use spirulina supplements that helps to delay it what are your thoughts about those supplements well supplements are supplements i have very little negative things to say about safe supplements i can't promise they're going to work i've not heard about this one spirulina and the white hair but a lot of this is genetic just like many of us that are you know, going to go gray or have gone gray already it's genetic so uh, anyway We'll talk more about that after the break. We're going to come back in just a few minutes. Don't go away. Here on Pet Life Radio, don't go away. We'll be right back, back after these brief messages.
0: How many of you have pets? Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio.
1: PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> okay, and we're back. So um, I just did a, uh, a quick thing for uh, Instagram on, um, on summer hazard lilies. The deadly to cats. Can make dogs 6 Sago palm. Deadly. Ocean water. Too much salt has problems, neurologic problems. Uh, but And obviously, we talked about some you know, fleas, ticks, mosquitoes, things like that. So this was posed to me as a, a veterinarian, the most dangerous animal on the planet. By that, I mean the animal that, has, that kills more people every year than any other animal, okay? And the answer, any ideas? I'll have you think about it, but unless you give the right answer. So we're going to go with number two, because that's what I want to know, because I thought it was number one. Didn't even think, I wasn't even thinking about this one. Number one, really not an animal, it's an insect, the mosquito. Through malaria, more people die of malaria every year from that little teeny mosquito. But let's talk about animals. I mean, a real animal. What do you think? If you want to give me some answers, what do you think the most dangerous animal, the one that kills more people every year than any other animal? It blew my mind. And well, I'll give you you why it blew my mind in a minute. So um, why does my cat throw up after wet food, but rarely after dry food? That's a good one. I would always say any cat that vomits right after eating, but still is happy, alert, everything else is normal, even though you don't see them, I would think about hairballs. I've heard this before, by the way, that, and also when you think about it, cats don't usually chew their food anyway. They swallow it whole. Like people, when the food comes up and the pellets, the little dry pellets, they're still little dry pellets. And also, you know, interestingly, and this is really interesting, like let's talk the French bulldog. The Frenchie has its throat problems, the elongated soft palate, they have, you know, hiatal hernias. They have a a very narrowing at the, the, and they too, they will eat dry food, keeps it down. But when they drink water, even it comes back up. So it would be interesting to do like fluoroscopy, a fluoroscopic study while they're eating to find out what is going on. Why are dry foods getting it? The only thing I can think of is this, and maybe I'm wrong, but if you watch a cat or a dog, right, drink water versus eat, and then which goes down faster, the water. So- also, when it comes to food, they gobble up canned food faster than they can do dry food. So it's going down more quickly. And I wonder if it has something to do with the speed at which or how much they can eat in any given time area, whether it is a, a um, you know over a matter of seconds, a matter of a minute. If you fill a bowl of just canned food, time it how fast they can eat it and do the same amount of food in a, of dry food in a bowl and see how long it takes them to eat that. If they eat the wet food faster, which is my hunch, that's my theory, then maybe that has to do with that. How much they can gobble up and so they can eat it so much faster that it gets blocked trying to get in from the esophagus into the stomach and therefore it comes back up. So uh, anyway, so nip says ticks, all right? Ah, the hippo. The hippo, right? tick It is the hippo. Hippopotamus. What's so interesting about the hippo is that they're herbivores. They just eat meat, and yet they—you think they're, you know, they—they're so adorable with their young. And I, when I was in safari, uh, I have so many pictures of hippo moms and dads teaching how they can dislocate their jaw and open their mouths almost. Like we can only go so far, right? They can—they can go almost backwards when they want to be fast. They can be fast, and they run chase you to kill. It's unbelievable, and um, there's those cute little hippos. You know, you go to Disney World or Disneyland, and you see the the Jungle Cruise and those hippos. aren't oh, they cute with the little wiggly ears, All right? No, they are nasty, mean animals, and you got to be really, really careful because. So I say what's so unique about them? They don't even. It's not like they're killing for, for the food. They don't eat meat. It's they're killing to kill. So uh, anyway, no, it's not cats, not ticks. Though so ticks, I could see would be a good one because there are a lot of tick-borne diseases also, but not as deadly. Steel 94, let's hear your question. Other brands that are better than others for heartworm meds. Ah, so for heartworm, well, let's put it this way. On the Isoxazolines, which are the flea and tick products, two of them, and that is Credelio. also has Credelio Plus, and Simperica also offers Simperica Trio. The Plus and the Trio are flea, tick, and heartworm. Now, as far as regular heartworm prevention, I've always used, and again, I'm not I, I'm not endorsing any of them if they want to paint. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not, I'm not endorsing any of them. HeartGuard and Interceptor seem to be the two most popular. There's also one called ProHeart 6 and ProHeart 12, which are injectables. One for six months, one for 12 months. I've not used them. I understand they're pretty expensive, so I can't tell you for sure. But I know that most of my clients I've always used in the past, uh, for my dogs, I've used like HeartGuard or Interceptor, whatever was available. But what I would for sure recommend before starting a heartworm preventative, especially uh, if you've not used one before, please get your dogs tested first. It is less of a serious problem with the newer heartworm preventatives. But in the past, when we are using some of the chemical heartworm preventatives, like filler bits, it was daily. And it was dangerous to use them in a dog that was already heartworm positive, so you want to make sure before you start that your boat dogs are heartworm negative. So keep that in mind. Thirteen-year-old German Shepherd currently having trouble walking on Vetprofen, hundred milligrams every twelve hours, and he got penicillin. You know, uh, okay, so um, well, first of all, thirteen-year-old Shepherd, pretty darn good, and I would say it's, it's two things. Number one is hip dysplasia or uh, something called lumbosacral instability hip dysplasia, very common in shepherds, LS disease, lumbosacral disease called cauda equina syndrome, also very uh, common. However, German shepherds are known for one other condition. And by the way, if he's just starting to get it now at 13, you are darn lucky because it usually hits earlier and that is degenerative myelopathy. And they get very, very weak, starts in the hind end, slowly progresses upward um, until they can barely get up at all. As I said, for it to start at 13, I, you know, if it is that. So what I do is it's a, kind of a rule out. Um, if it's the condition is slow and progressive, then I would think the, uh, hip dysplasia, but that's easily detectable by x-ray. If the hips are gorgeous and there's no LS disease, which you can also see by spondylosis at the lumbosacral junction, then it's degenerative myelopathy. There's no test for it. And, um, and just know that it is, unfortunately, there's no treatment either. So as I said, be somewhat thankful that regardless. Now, the other thing is the, uh, the vetprofen, the carprofen, the, the remedil, whichever, you know, they're all the same thing. Um, and the gabapentin should be helping and the glucosamine should be helping if this were all arthritis. If you are seeing no benefit, then unfortunately that puts degenerative myelopathy higher up on my list. So, um, but continue to do what you do. And so, dip says cats. Kill, kill more people. That's interesting. I would have to look that up because I've always been told them, and when I go on, it says the, uh, I, I can't imagine you mean like kitty cats. I would think it's the big cats. But uh, when we were on safari, these guys, these are they're in South Africa. They say that it's the hippo. Anyone who wants to chime in, Dr. Kitty Vet, if you're doing it with cats, I would assume also you're, you're dealing with cats, cats. All right. So walks the harness, but his heart races. He needs me to help him stand. But recently after drinking... He's having contraction in his stomach, and the acne is not bloated, but is scaring me. If you could do this for me, and I'd be happy to take a look at it. When I have weird cases like this, picture's worth a thousand words. A video is worth a hundred thousand. Send me a video of what you're seeing, all right? Because it sounds like his heart races. I mean, helping him stand. Yeah. Yeah. I still think that this is, it it could be either or. I mean, I definitely would have you get x-rays taken and go from there and see what that shows. All right? And uh, it, no, it doesn't sound normal, but we have to try to find out what the, what the cause is. So that's what I would do. Get some RADs. If you want to send me the RADs, take me to your vet, have the radiographs done, and be, just ask them you want them sent to you digitally, and then I will be happy to look at them and help you through this and give you some uh, pointers about where I what I think is going on. But also, do me a favor, have him take video of him lying down and then ask him to get up. I want to see the effort involved. And that, coupled with the x-rays, will give me a, a, a good idea. As far as the little Frenchie, thank you, by the way, I would have to see the bumps. Are they scratching? If it was mites, I would imagine very itchy. The mites that would do this typically are scabies, uh, sarcoptes so mites, very, very paritic. And it doesn't sound like demodectic mange. So I'm not sure about the mites, but it could be, I mean, it could be many, many different things. So I would if this week or next, if it, they're getting worse, you know, bring them in and let me, uh, let me take a look. I'll be able to evaluate. We may want to do a skin scraping on her and see what's going on, but it could be so many different things. And Frenchies, they have so many problems. That's why I love them. So yeah, I've had them before that will get hives. They Because they, they're very allergic dogs, they can get hives pretty easily. I'd want to see what these lumpsies, uh, what they look like. Pollicking. Okay, so we'll get to this and we have to end the show. I know Mark is probably giving me the the evil eye. So the question is, what is the cause of paw licking? So, paw licking, many things. Um, First of all, if it's non seasonal, if it happens all the time, I would look for food allergies, food hypersensitivity. Dogs that are allergic to foods will often lick their feet, especially the front paws and uh, their ears, and rub their face against the wall, against the carpet. Those are often signs of food allergy. If it's seasonal, and like it's happening more now because of spring and summer, and it wasn't going on during the winter, and you haven't changed foods, then I would think it is allergy. And what happens is um, they can get allergies. This is the time of year that, that gardeners are putting fertilizer down. That could be also an irritant. If it's one paw, one area of a paw, I would look at the paw itself, looking for a little entry hole. It could be a foxtail. So there are a lot of things. If it's multiple paws, if they're red on the bottom and the top, um, then I would say some sort of allergy. It's either going to be an atopy, inhaled allergy. It's going to be a contact irritant, contact allergy, or a food allergy. All right. So that's all we have time for today. Those of you who join me, thank you so much. I love doing this. And I have to wait till Sunday for me to help you. So if there's something that comes before that, just send to me on Instagram. You can always reach me at drjeff at petliferadio.com. You can reach me at drjeff at drjeff.com uh, here on uh, instagram many many ways i mean you know, it's funny one of my old old clients just came in this week i've been away from my original hospital that i started that i sold to vca i've been gone for three years i've been at, at value vet in westwood and um she goes we just found you i said just found me i, said, but I think it's pretty hard not to find me i'm getting people that are following me and i don't want them to go find me and you want me but you want to find me and you couldn't So anyway, I'm easy to get a hold of. So please take advantage of that. And um, we will um, see you all next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Have a wonderful week, everybody. If you're in L.A., great day today. So take advantage of that as well. And Mark, thank you so much. And we will uh, be here same time next week on Pet Life Radio and Instagram. Take care.
0: Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.